0: So hello, everybody, and welcome back to Folk on Falcons. I'm Philip Mundy, and joining me is... Ian Joseph.
1: As always, you can find us on social media. So um, on Facebook, if you simply type Folk on Falcons, and on Twitter, again, just Folk on Falcons, but this time it'd be at Folk on Falcons, and you'll see our smiling faces.
0: And then um, you can contact us directly as well, either via those medias, direct messaging, or via email, which a couple of people have done recently. I guess we've got to talk about it as much as we'd like not to. The match at the weekend against Northampton, what a terrible, terrible match. Performance, I think, widely considered one of the worst that people have ever seen at Kingston Park. And it's a bit strange because I, for the first 20 minutes or so, didn't think things were that bad. I thought that we'd let a couple of opportunities go. There was one that sprung to mind with Carraris when Chick had caught a fumble and Carraris decided to run a switch instead of just pinning his ears back. And then we had a couple of close-in lineouts that got held up or driven back. But 20 minutes in, we were... In a reasonably good position. And then kind of all just went wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I genuinely believe it's probably the worst, if not one of the worst, as I can remember in the 25 years ago at Kingston Park. Uh, it was, it, words kind of fail me, I suppose, as to how bad it was. But um, it's not just me being a misery guest, which. I often am I think if you look at a lot of the reaction you see you saw on social media in general you can see a lot of people were very unhappy with what was in front of them um I mean we go first 20 minutes it was more of a case of we had opportunities and we just kind of didn't take them like I thought early on when we had that a penalty after about three minutes we didn't kick for it I think we should just kick the goal there for example you know we did the line out and then obviously got nothing from it. I think that was, all that was held up. and was, Eventually, obviously, they, they did kick it, but they could have done that several minutes earlier. But I, I, again, you just kind of felt that in that first 20 minutes, I mean, maybe you had a bit more of an optimistic view on it than me, but I thought the signs were there that just nothing was going to happen. And I, there were times where particularly the passing was loose and, I think there's around two or three occasions, one of the times i will punished, where pass was loose and they kick it through and, you know, they just score from one of them. But I think the first one before that, we were lucky it was a forward and not one of their backs who picked up the ball and luckily were able to get back and tackle and clear it but the signs were there and it just got worse and worse and the second half in particular just uh, he, he, well even worse I and mean, you kind of thought there'd be some sort of reaction maybe after half time but it, it just it just wasn't it was just absolutely nothing there yeah you, you mentioned that kick on the third minute when it basically exactly the same
0: position 10 minutes later in the 13th minute we chose to kick for the posts i don't really know what the idea is there is it that, the, that there isn't a game plan the game plan changed although it didn't look like it changed on the face we'll just Different decisions made. I think it just, that ring, that well, that one to me stood out as kind of symptomatic of the things that are going on on the pitch, but not in people's brains. And if there's a strategy, what is it? We were constantly kicking it out of hand to a far superior set of backs, especially the inside backs than we had. And you look at Hodgson versus Bigger, I think if Hodgson kicks it to Bigger, which he did on numerous occasions and expects it to end up in a better field or the team expect expect to end up in a better position at the end of that exchange then it's not going to happen and um, if you are going to do a, a kicking game which i know a lot of people including myself have concerns about then make sure you at least make it land in the pitch are sort of, three times the first half kicked it straight into touch it's just schoolboy stuff and it seems like nobody's really got an idea of what the game plan is, or if they do have an idea of what the game plan is, it's very hard to work out for the person watching from the sidelines.
1: Well, I mean, with regards to the panel after three minutes, I think they, you know, they try to go for the for the corner because you know you're three minutes in, you want to try and it's the whole thing. About well, you can risk it because there's no relegation, that sort of thing. But you just get early points on the board, you know. Get early points on the board. Try and just win the game, you know. You don't don't bother of trying to risk it, you know. When you first pound of the game in a very kickable position, just take the points and come come back again. Now, of course, knowing us, you know, we could straight could see straight from the kickoff. But I mean, get the points. But yeah, I mean. I just thought that with ball in hand, it was just side to side, backwards. And then the kicking, like, you know, if you if you are going to kick, at least, you know, kick it in a bit of space, or at least as you're saying, you know, don't kick it out on the full or whatever. But there were times where Hultree was just kicking it to people like Furbank and just massive acres of space. And for one of the tries, that's what he did. It just went side to side. Back to Hodgson, kicked it straight to 3rd back, acres of space, four on two overlap, and they just run it in easy as anything. And there were so many times where it was just aimless kicking. And there's no point in having really good forwards if you're not gonna get them in the game. Cause all they're gonna do is, you know, maybe, you know, bash it up a yard or two. But if your back's just gonna go side to side, after a couple of phases and then just kick it away, then what's the point? Like, we're not we're not using our strength, which is the forwards. Now, I know, obviously, I've just said, well, you know, let's kick the points. But at the same time, you know, we've got to get in positions where can score tries, not just from set pieces and penalties. And you're not going to do that by, by kicking the ball away. And But it wasn't just an attack. It was in defence. Like, we just seem to be so narrow. I don't know if the idea is, you know, we're we trying to overload the channels or whatever, or, you know, try and have it, you know, quick, intricate passing. To, to try and create the space which is not working and when it when we if we're just giving the ball away we're going to leave ourselves massively exposed out on the wings and that that happened time and time again and it's just like absolute basics so as you say I just don't know what the game plan is I don't know what, what they're trying to achieve yeah um I, I don't, I'm not
0: sure if it's part of the game plan or not but Trevor Davison caught the ball and first receiver on a number of occasions and for all I like Trevor Davison what he does on the park he's not fly half and either Joel Hodgson needs to be grappling by the scruff of the neck in turn to clear off or it has to be part of the game plan and neither of which are coherent. Nothing was happening and the same thing kept happening again and again and then when the ball did actually make it to the, someone who's suitable in the first receiver position, there's just nothing going on, there's no movement, are no line breaks, there's just pass it to somebody who'll run into somebody and do the same again and do the same again. Whereas when they do it, what happens? They get Matavesi sidestepping Burrell and going 30 yards before getting a pass away and they score a try. And that's the difference between the two teams, that they've got people that can break lines and we don't. And there's happened to be a hooker in the occasion I've just uh, discussed against one of our prime centres. And it, it's t- sadly just a summary of everything that's wrong with us at the minute. Because that, that 9, 10, 12, 13, there's just... No creativity. And obviously we we're hampered with injuries a bit. We have to hope that Orlando and um Schroeder quickly recover, but it's been a problem for weeks. It's not just this game that's been an issue. How I many longer than weeks.
1: I mean, apart from the odd spurt where we have strung a few results together and, you know, started last season when Barana landed had a dream partnership. We, since the championship season, we have been saying we've been really lacking that impact at centres, and it hasn't been resolved. We've basically gone back to that stage because even the season relegated. Look, who's, look who we had at centre. We had Harrison Williams. So, you know, you would snap your hand off, obviously, for those two players now. Um, so we just haven't progressed in that department at all. I mean, they've, they've tried to experiment with people like Burrell, and I don't know if, I think it's just maybe that injury he got a few months ago has just done it for him. Um, looks half the player he was at his best last season. Orlando, he's been unfortunate of injuries, but you know, perhaps not his fault. But still, you know, obviously he hasn't managed to contribute as much as he would like. So well, what else is there really? You know, Lukak does what Lucock can. You know, we know what level sort of player he is you know fairly or not and there's just nothing there and that it's not hard to see where our problem is you know at half backs and in centers and if you have it if you, the heart of your team isn't functioning there in the back so you know, you're obviously you're going to struggle and that that's clearly what's happening at the moment. And unfortunately, I don't know how they're going to be able to rectify that over the course of the rest of the season, unless the current, obviously, crop of players they have kind of just picking up a bit.
0: Yeah, in the, in the last three games have scored about 30 points and is over 100. And um, that's two things. It's The attack's not very good, as we've just discussed, but it's also that we've got serious issues defending as well. We've been quite poor against the rolling mall as of late, especially when teams throw in a few backs. It just seems to be that we concede either a try or another penalty and then repeat and repeat until they score and similarly we mentioned it last season we mentioned it again this season out wide our defense just gets torn to ribbons they get slightly around the outside of us our centers aren't the thickest and it seems that there's not really a defensive structure out wide it's not like we're drifting it's not like we're going up in the middle it's just let people run at us and get around us and then go back 40 yards, and we seem to rely on the opposition dropping it or fumbling it or putting a pass into touch or whatever.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that was my point about how we just seem to be so narrow. And then if we're going to be narrow and just kick the ball away to players, you know, in the example from last weekend, the quality of third back out wide in lots of space, you know, you're asking for trouble. And it's just the same week in, week out. I know probably it hasn't helped that we haven't had consistent starting wingers, Over the past, well, maybe a couple of months now, and that maybe that doesn't help with sort of the structure. But you know, I I don't see how you know if you're on the training pitch all week, you can't get a structure in place. You have an idea of what the personnel is going to be, and just kind of work on it. Like it's the same thing week in, week out, as as you say. But I think also the the leaking of points isn't just a leaky defence now. It's also, I think, some of the discipline's gone out the window. Like, two in particular, some examples. I mean, normally these two are Mr. Reliables, and, you know, you've got... uh, Peterson and Van der Volken were really stupid penalties for absolutely nothing. Van der Volken for just trying to pick a fight where we won a penalty ourselves and it was reversed. And then Peterson just going in late on their scrum half and there was absolutely no need to. And I mean, both times it kind of cost us points. And it's not just those instances from that game, but then obviously in the past few weeks we've seen really poor discipline kind of creep into it. And that wasn't there at the start of the season. And maybe that's just systematic of a, of a team that isn't playing well at the moment.
0: Yeah, um, and then if we move on from the match, because I don't really want to talk about the second <laughs> half too much in detail, but let's just, yeah, let's move swiftly on. Um, I'd like to talk about something a bit more cheery, but um, Falcons have been in the press this week for not too clever reasons, which I think of course, an awful lot of us fans and an awful lot of concern that have spotted the story. This revolves around our England four and their Autumn Internationals money and the fact that
1: I haven't been paid it well, yeah. I mean, it, it's really, really worrying concerning. You know, at the end of the day, even if the club are having some cash flow problems, and we know, even we know they run things on a shoestring budget, they've got the smallest budget in the league, and maybe is a bit hand to mouth at times. But you know, it's not the club's money, you know, you, they can't hold on to it. It is those players' money, um, and it's, it's really disturbing you know what's going on and unfortunately i really do think that's true i don't think the uh, sort of outfire especially in rugby when these stories do come up generally that they, they are true i've got no reason to sort of doubt it um i think the i mean this sort of broke in the rugby paper. but i think the times article today was it probably had it in the best detail um, and I, I suppose it was a bit more positive in that it claimed that it was going to get resolved but the fact that it was an issue in the first place is is really worrying. You've got to think if you're a player, you know, of a Radwan, of a Glamaya quality, you've got to think, well, do I have a future at, at this club? If they're going to play, you know, just play tricks like this on me. Um, So yeah, it's
0: really, really worrying. As an accountant, I kind of understand what the club might have been trying to do and how it will have arisen. In total, it's probably around 100,000 that these four players would have been due. And on a club such as the Falcons, which is a bit hand-to-mouth, and on a shoestring budget, that's an awful lot of money. So when it comes in from the RFU and it doesn't go straight to the players, the club have their cash flow forecast. They know they need to pay it out by the end of December or whenever it technically was. and. If you think about what happened in that month, the Worcester game, um, there were huge refunds having to be given for that. And then um, the Boxing Day game, as we mentioned the other week, was called off and there was probably a couple hundred thousand pounds lost then. So what would have been part of just normal cash flow management was being exposed by this huge risk that was attached because effectively the um, England money was being used as a bridging loan by the club to stabilise the cash flow. And then After Boxing Day, hopefully, it would have all been all right. The really concerning thing for me is that the players seem to have flagged it with the RFU, which to me suggests that the club didn't have a sensible discussion with them and explain the predicament that it would get paid, albeit a little bit later and probably a bit of something added on top, which is what you would hope. The players that were affected, they're all players that have come up through the system. They're not people who are in it for the money at the Falcons and they're going to shaft us at every opportunity. They know how the club's run, they've come up through the ranks and all it takes is a bit of communication. And the fact that one or some of the players have gone to the RFU and then the story's broken in the press the way it has it, it is really, really bad. And it leaves a sour taste. And um, It could have just been dealt with quietly. Nobody would have needed to know. And also, if you're going to be a decent player that's thinking about playing for Falcons in the future, now you're going to be thinking, well, do I want to go there and not get paid or have issues with my money? It really is concerning.
1: Yeah, I mean... Obviously, the reason is going to be a cash flow related one. I mean, from that point of view, from a literal point of view, you can understand why they did it and balance the books for the month. But it's more sort of the, the moral of the right thing to do. You know, as I say, you know, it's those players money and they're not entitled to it. and They have no right to kind of hold on to it the way they have. And that is the worrying thing, because, you know, it, it is a really bad look for the club and it's been bad enough. For as you say, one or two of these players, or maybe all four of them—who knows—to have gone to the RFU and to have flagged it, and the fact that it's been put in that position, not so much the financial aspect, but the publicity is, is terrible. And it, as you say, like it also affects in terms of attracting players, because if you want to build a better team, you obviously want to sign better players, better players who potentially are good enough for international level. If you're uh, someone who potentially is good enough for England, are you going to want to go to the Falcons when there's potential your, you know, your England money isn't going to be paid to you? Well, probably not, no. So... Is worrying in that regard. It's worrying about sort of well, what do these players think about their future? You know, do they want to continue playing for a club which isn't going to pay them properly or pay them, you know, what they're completely entitled to? So it is really, really worrying. I think, as I say, I think it was slightly positive in the times article said that it's it probably will be resolved, and you would hope so, but. Yeah, I think the absolute very least, it leaves a sour taste. At worst, it's very, very worrying. Yeah, um,
0: if we just look at the four players, um, Radwan, first name on the team sheet every time he's fit, but the other three are very much variable with their game time, especially Blamire, who tends to get 10 minutes at the end of most games, although he's the one that plays string and McGuigan doesn't. But as we've mentioned before, we're in this funny position where Eddie Jones has taken Blamire as his pick, not McGuigan, for obviously understandable reasons, age, style of play, etc., the fact of the matter is, if I was Bill Meyer, and I don't know where his contract's next year, because there's someone on Exema, but we're trying to find line with him. We need to keep him for the next five, ten years because he's a sort of player that he can be a stalwart in the club and he can build a team around. The same goes for Chick. He's playing quite a bit at the minute, but there's been times he's been rotated out. And then Davison's part of the front row that's um, kind of on circulation, but um, obviously it depends on fitness as well. But I would be surprised if we managed to keep hold of all four of them. And it just doesn't, doesn't bode well. And also the wider point, if we are relied upon um, this RFU money for the financial well-being of the club, even as a bridging loan, it just shows quite what a shoestring it's being run on. But then you look at other things, like when you go to an away game and you see all the Land Rovers, multiple brand new Land Rovers, all decked out in Falcons colours, and I don't know quite what the financing there is, whether they've been sponsored or not, but there's a lot of things where you just look around the club and you see these things and you think, hang on a second, if you are hand to mouth. Where's all the money from this coming from? Where's all the money for that coming from?
1: Well, as you say, I mean, who knows the sponsorship deals and what sort of funding that they do get from various, I suppose perfectly reasonable, revenue streams. But, you know, it's hard for us as supporters, I think, without having access to the books, without being there, to know exactly what the situation is. It could be the fact that we have been hit hard Recently, because of game cancellations, because of COVID, it's just sort of been a bit of a perfect storm. And whilst it's, it's never a wonderful situation in terms of finances for the Falcons, it's just particularly bad at the moment. There is room for it to recover. But, you know, in the in, in a world of professional sport where the margins are so fine, are they going to get the opportunity for that? Are they going to be able to do that? <sighs> I don't know. It's it's just so hard to tell when you can looking for from the outside in, I suppose. It was only a couple of years
0: ago that £14 million pounds worth of CVC money was due to be coming i'm not sure if it's in one lump or installments and things and that was meant to be the, the saving grace and then the ring fence of the premiership for a couple of seasons once again but then um you're looking at things like the european trip that we're about to go on to france and if we just move on to that back of the five packet calculations is i've come up with 75 80 grand for this trip if we think with the the entourage um call it 25 players maybe 30 players and the support staff you're looking at about 40 40 odd people going over to France. You got the f- food for them, hotels for them, call that a couple hundred quid a day. You get up there pretty quickly when you throw in flights and all the COVID testing and all the rest of it. And um, as Dean Richardson said, we're still not sure whether we're actually going to go there. It's going to come out the next day or so. The game's on Friday, you need to be there 48 hours in advance. So that means it's Wednesday that we'd have to arrive with the isolation. That's if we walk straight from the hotel to the pitch side without any do not pass go, do not collect anything. And then um, these PCR tests, um, you're not supposed to take one if you've had COVID in the last 90 days, um, because that's how long they can show up being positive for. And within the squad, there are players that have had COVID from the last last 90 days as well, no, in fact. So if one of these people tests positive on a PCR test for COVID because they had it 50 days ago, you then end up in a situation where whichever squad you take to France has to isolate for days and ends in a hotel room and all the associated costs of that. And um, the whole thing is a complete mess. It's not just Falcons that are um, tearing the hair out of this, but we're the first fixture. And because European rugby have just said, as far as we're concerned, the games are on, it means that if we don't field it, we'll have to forfeit it and probably end up with a huge financial penalty as well.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it's such a tough one. Uh, you know, you can see why, from a playing perspective, why they're just sort of jacking in and it's a complete waste of time. Because, as you say... How you supposed to prepare for a game like that? I mean, it's obviously it's not the fault of the French rugby union, it's not the fault of the French clubs, but unfortunately that's kind of the issue. I, I mean, I wonder if if Falkers can band with other English clubs and say that we know this isn't doable um, because uh, you know it's going to be it's going to be expensive for all the English clubs. I mean, yes, you know if there is a fine, maybe we would feel it more than other clubs, but that, that's beside the point. You know, I think it, I think you may get a situation where if they have all been cancelled because you know, simply because of French government rules, you may get a situation which has kind of just happened today where they've just been voided and sort of postponed and points shared. I think that would be obviously the best case scenario. But worst case scenario, we're looking at, as you say, you know, forfeiting the game, you know, points points us, 5 for Biarritz and Toulon and fines. But... I mean, would they go down that route? I mean, you never know, I suppose. But even then, I mean, even the, even the best case scenario, which apart from playing it, which is, you know, points shared, you know, just makes a mockery of the competition, doesn't it? He's kind of thinking, well, what's the point, really? Um, and it's just, and whoever whoever comes best out of it is whatever teams have the French teams at home, isn't it? Which isn't us, unfortunately. Um, so we'll just have to see what happens. But it's, it is an absolute mess, you're right, a complete mess. The whole tournament's
0: descended into a bit of a farce, really, because um, the games that were postponed or they're now cancelled from uh, a couple of months ago when teams travelled to France or didn't, as the case may be, or French teams didn't travel here, I can't remember exactly what it was. They've been declared null and void and nil-nil draws been awarded, so it's two points each side. But it purely depends on how your fixtures fell, whether you're going to do well in this tournament or not. If we'd have had our two fixtures the other way around, or our fixtures, not these French ones, couple of months ago. It would have been a nice jolly off to France when we were still allowed to. Or um, well, they could have played it here then. And then we could have gone to Italy or Wales now. And then we could have ended up with some points out of this. And as it's looking, at my my gut's telling me it's going to be a shambles whatever happens. I think we'll probably end up going. But then we could have put the a situation in Cardiff were a couple of weeks ago where they ended up fielding a lot of teenagers because other players were stuck abroad.
1: Yeah, I mean, potentially, I mean, they could have done it where they could have swapped the fixtures around and we could have, the French teams could have played away. Um, whether of course French teams I suppose could have complained about that but it would have been at to be a way to guarantee the games could have been played but yeah it, it's as you say I mean maybe it's erring on that perhaps they can still play but it's it looks very likely the whole thing's just going to be a complete write-off really as you say it just depends on how you get your fixtures it's just and um, who progresses through in the, in the competition and it's I mean, I guess it'd be a nice bit of silverware. Whoever forever wins it, I suppose, but you kind of got to think at the moment, sort of, what's the point, really? Um, but we'll have to see what happens. We um, need still a few days to go, I suppose, but as you say, time is ticking to sort of, well, for a decision, really. So if we just move on to the
0: wider table and how it stands, um, let's start from the top down as we normally do. So Leicester lost for the first time this season, so they've now played 12-1-11 and lost one, putting them on 51 points followed by Saracens on 2nd on 43, Harlequins on 42, Gloucester in 4th and 38, Northampton 35, Exeter 33, London Irish 31, Wasps 28, we're on 24 as our sale, Bristol and Worcester both have 21, and Bath have 13. If we hadn't got that walkover on Boxing Day, we'd be in 12th place right now, and 12th place until they put 13 teams in the league, means that you're going to get relegated, so um, we're not staring down the barrel of the gun, because there's no relegation, and we've got that walkover, but I think that just shows what, What's happened to our season from the promising start, which we normally have, to this mid-season slump, which
1: we had last year as well? Yeah, well, history's repeating itself, isn't it? Almost exactly the same time as last season. Again, as you say, mid-season slump, everything's just kind of gone to pot, really. Again, maybe for the same reasons, sort of players who are able to turn out week in, week out, aren't performing. The tactics seem a bit baffling. Rainless kicking, leaking points, discipline. Uh, you know, the normal sort of things Injuries as well, I suppose, in key positions Especially the, especially wingers Yeah, it's just it's just Going down the swanny, really, isn't it? And unlike last season, I just don't know how I can't see how I'm getting out of it I mean, I, I think, unfortunately I think we'll be quite fortunate to finish 11th, to be quite honest It's looking really worrying I just can't see where we're going to pick wins from And actually, I think the European Games have come at a pretty bad time Because I think to have kind of finished those couple of league games in the way they have and to kind of go into a break on the back of those is, is not brilliant. But, you know, maybe they, they can have a bit of a spurt like the end of last season. But, yeah, it's just kind of history repeating itself, isn't it?
0: Quite that.
1: Um, if we then look at the
0: scores on the doors from around the region over the weekend, it wasn't great for Darlington either. They got beaten by Taunton away in National League 1, in National League 2 North, Tyndale drew with Hull and Huddersfield beat Bladen, so Bladen still aren't looking too clever this year. And Gloucester Blackburn and Billingham thrashed Burnage. One North East concerts game was postponed, as was Durham City's, whilst Morpeth got a heavy defeat to Cleheaton. I think score of the weekend um, probably has to go to Darlington, who beat Winlayton Wilkins 73 points to nil in Durham North London 2. And similarly, Gisborough beat Redcar 76 points to five. Elsewhere, there are scores all over the place, as usual, and a few postponements, presumably from COVID, but I don't actually know. There might have been a bit of frozen pitch, perhaps. I'm not sure. So that has to be one of the saddest and most miserable podcasts we've ever done. Hopefully, we actually have something to talk about next week, and there hasn't just been a load of cancellations from Europe. Wouldn't hold your breath on that. So it might be a while again until we hear from us, but let's hope it's not, and let's hope we can report a fantastic victory in France And then look forward to another one. So thank you for listening, everybody. Bye, everyone.